All right, so we are in our final week of Make Church Great Again, and um, this Make Church Great Again is all about what God was speaking to me about ways that you and I, what we can do, what God has given to us to help make church great again. Now, God is the one who grows the church. Okay, I'll grow the church, even though sometimes I, I want to, you know, our staff, our elders, I mean, our leadership team, we don't grow the church. God grows the church. There are people here today, it might be your first time, you were invited by a friend. Maybe somebody brought you. Maybe somebody kidnapped you. If somebody kidnapped you, let us know. We'll call the authorities. But if you are here today because this is your very first time here, it's because you were drawn here, and God is growing his church. And it's not just about Lake Point Church. It's all the churches uh, around the world. He is growing his church. But there are things that you and I can do that, will, will, that God will use us to help uh, in that process. For so long, the church has been distracted, intimidated, and influenced by our culture to the point to where we're almost not effective. You ask many people in the culture, if they go to church, they almost sort of give a uh, sort of snide remark or, or whatever, and they, they think you're crazy. It's like, why do you need all that religious stuff? And so, um, but we want, to, uh, we want to move the church beyond that and make the church effective. And in the process, you're learning, and I believe many of you are, because you've told me, in the process, you are making yourself great also. Because guess what? You are the church. And as you and your faith, you're making your faith greater, and you're drawing closer to the Lord, well, guess what? That is affecting the church, and you're making the church great again also. God wants us to move in power and authority as seen in our key verse for this whole series, Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says this, and you find this on the screen. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Isn't that awesome? You will, you will be witnesses. And I love the fact that he's saying this. This is without, I mean, most of the world haven't even been, you know, discovered yet. America, this part of the, uh, the world, you know, nobody knew about it. Jesus did. But it's like, you know, you're, you're going to spread the gospel all the way to Emerson, Georgia, and beyond. And so it's awesome. And so he wants us to walk in power and authority with the Holy Spirit. Our first week, that we realized and we were reminded that prayer is the thing that leads us with that power. And uh, it all begins with prayer. And as we, um, as we pray, we, uh, we are understanding that God uh, is with us and God wants to use us. And these are intentional times of prayer set aside. Uh, many of y'all are doing the 21-day fast. If you haven't started yet, you can start today, start tomorrow, and just do your own 21-day fast. But there's guidebooks out in the in Connection Point. And so I've heard lots of stories about what God is doing in your life about the 21-day fast. I'm fasting with you. Please pray for me. I know you are. I'm praying for you. And uh, just know that God is speaking to us during this 21-day fast. Week two, we talked about how to improve our fruit. And our, our, our fruit will be improved when we spend some time with Jesus. When we take some time, it's a direct result of that. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we spend time with Jesus through prayer, intentional prayer. We get connected to the vine. He is the root. 
He is a tree, we are the branches, and on those branches hang fruit. The fruit is how, how we react to life. It's our actions. It's our actions. When somebody rubs us a wrong way, what fruit do we bear? It's just a reminder, bear in this passage doesn't mean we, we produce. Bear means to carry. We carry fruit. We don't, bear, we don't, we don't uh, produce it. God is the one that produces it as we are connected to him. So some people, they think, oh, I, I, I got to do all these good things. I got to do all these good works, these good acts, and I've got I've to bear good fruit. I got to produce good fruit. You're doing it the wrong way. It's backwards. Allow the vine, allow the tree, allow the roots to, and, and God working through you as the branches to produce fruit, and you carry fruit. And people are drawn to that fruit. People are drawn, hey, there's something different about you. As you saw in last week, we talked about how to be a bringer. And the ultimate bringer was Jesus Christ. You know, I love that when he, when he was out uh, sharing the gospel, he was out in the marketplace. He was out where people lived. You know, we have these settings right now where, where we're sharing the gospel either here or our small groups, you know, or maybe through our student services or the kids back there. They're, they're hearing the gospel message and they're exercising their faith muscle. But we have to take it beyond these walls. We've got to take it to the marketplace where you, where you work, where you live, where you uh, play sports, what, what hobbies you're in, okay? Um, and so when we do that and we follow Jesus' example, uh, people will notice that there's something different about us. And we will not be afraid of their messy lives, just like Jesus wasn't afraid to sit down on that dirty, nasty, stinky boat, fishing boat, to preach the gospel. He's not worried about messy lives. We should not be worried about messy lives. We should want to take people deeper. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, Simon, Peter, and the other pre-disciples, they weren't even be chosen yet. In their minds, Jesus said, let's go out a little deeper. Go out deeper, deeper waters. God wants people in your life to know about him and to go deeper in their walk and to and to accept him as Lord and Savior, and to just search for him. And so you and I are involved in that. We bring people to that message. So we want to be a bringer. That helps make church great again. And so uh, we have an awesome opportunity, as I shared right before this message, to bring people to Jesus. Easter's coming. Eggfest, you can invite people to Eggfest. The reason why we do, do uh, Eggfest the day before Easter, because we tell people, hey, goodbye, thank you for coming, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Easter, and we remind people, and they get handouts, and we let people know, hey, see you tomorrow. We want to invite them. So invite people to Eggfest, invite people to church. Be thinking about that. Last week, you text us names of people uh, that, that, that we are uh, praying for and that we want, that you want to bring to church, especially for Easter. So be praying and believing that God will move in their hearts. So this last week, we are going to talk about something, the most, I believe, the most important element to make church great again. You know, when we invite people to church, it just seems like, you ever get the feeling that when people come to church and they, and they show up maybe a week or two or that sort of deal, and they, they, just, they just don't stick around, you know, they're, they're gone. Now, I know that life, cha- life happens, life change happens, like when people get sick, 
and they, they can't come, so we reach out to them. People have transitions in their life, whether you have a job change or, or, if you're, or, or people moving, you know, relocating, you know, trying to switch houses or, or that sort of deal. There are natural things that causes people to, to move away, but also there are some people it's like they come and they don't stick around. And, and I'm not talking about just Lake Point Church. I'm talking about the church in general because I believe there are thousands of people in our county who have stepped foot into a church, and they're no longer there. Why is that? Why are people not sticking around? We need to, they need to have a reason to stay. What helps them to stay? What draws people to the church and ultimately to the gospel message? Well, Jesus tells us himself in a prayer he prayed in John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, I love this prayer. In this prayer, uh, Jesus, and it's actually a pretty lengthy prayer, but I'm going to just pick out about three verses here. But listen carefully uh, to what Jesus says in his prayer. Uh, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. Talking about the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Guess what? That's, he's talking about us. Those who will believe in me because of the message of the gospel that is written in God's word, that is shared. And, and, and this prayer is prayed before Acts, the book of Acts, even happened. And then the church just grew exponentially, and it continues to grow today. But my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me through the Holy Spirit, that they may be one as we are one, in I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and you've loved me and you love them even as you have loved me. All right. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in there. Let me get to the bottom line. You know what draws people closer? You know, you know what keeps people around in churches? Keeps them coming back? Unity. Unity in the body of Christ. Unity in the body of Christ. You know, Jesus didn't say, okay, Here's what, here's what keeps people around. A great worship service, speaking, a band, dynamic children's. It's not dynamic children's program. It's not dynamic youth program, which we, our youth broke another huge record of attendance last Thursday. It's not dynamic youth service, okay? It's, it's not awesome small groups being interconnected and, and, uh, and growing in their faith. It's not sharing the gospel with the other side of the world. Now, let me share with you. It includes those things. But Jesus didn't even mention that. Jesus didn't even mention that. Because I believe some of the, the, the characteristics that I just mentioned, those are a result of what really happens when we are unified when we are one, when we are unified. Think about it. 
There are people who, who are no longer in church, and the number one reason, because, man, those people, those people are weird. Those people don't get along. Those people just don't get along. There's fighting and commotion and all that kind of stuff. Now, if you're, you're new here today, I don't want you to think I'm preaching this message because there's disunity in our church at Lake Point. You know, we are living in a time, and bless the Lord for this, it's all God, that we are more unified than ever, ever before. We're four years old. We are on mission. There's lots of unity. I'm talking about the big C church. I'm talking about the bride of Christ. I'm talking about all the churches. Because let me tell you, when people come to church and they see disunity, that um, makes them want to leave and not be involved. Why would they want to be involved in something like that? Why would you want to be involved in something like that? Okay? I mean, you go to family reunions. I've been to family reunions and fights break out. <laughs> Literally. It's like, well, it makes me want to come to this. Haven't been to one since. You know? <laughs> and if you were the one starting the fight, then, you know, you probably need to get closer to Jesus, you know. <laughs> but just know this. It's, it's unity. Period. You know, it takes some of those other elements. Yes. It takes some of those other elements. You say, well, I would think it would be bigger than that. You know, it's simple. It's simple. And God, Jesus even, even commands it, even throughout, throughout Scripture. There's lots of Scripture we can share. But Jesus even uh, commands unity. It's something that we've got to walk in. And, and, and I know it kind of sounds crazy. You know what, was cra- you know what else is crazy? A, a nation walking around Jericho seven times and for the walls to fall down. Now, in my mind, that's stupid. Why, why would you attack a city by walking around it and then the walls fall down? That makes no sense. But guess what? <laughs> to God, it makes perfect sense. Because God is saying, look, I just want you to walk around the city. You do that. And watch me work. God is saying to us today, as a church, Big C Church, he's saying, live in unity. I want you to live in unity. Be unified together. This shows maturity in our Christian walk. And so what are, the, what are some practical steps? Say, okay, Frank, we're supposed to walk in unity. What, what can we do? What does that look like? One of the best passages is found in Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, Paul, the apostle, goes through some amazing things about unity. And we're going to read just uh, verses 1 through 5. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Therefore, you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Now, I just want to stop there. If you have received any comfort from God, any communion from God, tenderness, compassion from God, then God is saying, look, at least make my joy complete by what? By being like-minded, having the same 
love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with, uh, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So let me stop there. What are some practical things we could find this in verses 1 through 5? So verse 3, we're going to pull several of these out of verse 3. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Number one, to provide unity, refuse to compete. We need to refuse to compete. Now, I'm a very competitive person. I like to compete. And uh, this is something that God always, and I'm just being open, an open book here. This is something that God is always trying to teach me and show me and takes me to the woodshed sometime about this. It's easy to be, to compete, to be competitive. But, but within the body of believers, we don't need to compete with one another. Um, you know, we see this in our family. Our kids compete all the time, and it drives us crazy. They, they compete all the time. And, and also, they're very smart in, in doing this with, with me and my wife, Suzanne. They will pit us up against one another, you know, and they will say, um, and they will co- provide competition between my, my wife and I, you know? Whether it be say, you know, uh, Dad, I, um, could, could I go to a friend's house? Or, hey, could I watch TV? Or can I get on the computer? And, uh, and I'll say, you know, um, no, I don't think so. They say, well, then immediately say something like, well, well, mom usually lets me do this at this time. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, I, the, the dad, I just spoke. And they'll do it backwards too. They'll ask, they'll ask Suzanne, and they'll ask me, you know, or vice versa. And, and uh, Suzanne will say, wait, wait, hold on a second. No, I just spoke. The mother just spoke. And so they, they put these competitions between us, and it happens all the time. And so Suzanne and I have made it the point we are unified. If I say something, it's like Suzanne saying something. If Suzanne says something, it's like me saying something. Don't go to the other parent. And if we find out that you did... You're in deep doo-doo. Can I say doo-doo in church? So, yeah. So, competition, we can't compete if we're supposed to be on the same team. We're supposed to be on the same team. Sports see this, sees this all the time, trying to co- be too competitive against one another. And, and I want to try to get the limelight. I want to try to get the touchdowns. I want, want to try to get, you know, the starting position. We see this all the time in, in sports. We see this, um, we see this also in, um, in churches. Be competitive in churches. You know, um, we are not in competition with other churches. We're not. We're not in competition. Believe me, there's plenty of lost, hurting people around us for every church. We're not in competition with churches. In fact, we... We partnership, we collaborate intentionally with other churches. In fact, our worship band, after we rehearsed this morning, we got together, you know what we did? 
We, we did this a lot. We picked out a church, and we prayed for that pastor, and we prayed for that worship team and that production team. We did. Why? Because we're not in competition. We're not in competition. Anytime, anytime I can, if I drive by a church, I pray for that church. I pray for that church. And so we're not in competition with one another. So that's how we provide unity. Refuse to compete. Here's the second way. Back in verse three. Do nothing out of vain conceit. So recognize your pride. Recognize your pride. How big is your pride? Just remember, the guy who's too big for his britches will be exposed in the end. (laughs) Get it? So our culture builds pride. We, we, we thrive on pride, being prideful. I mean, we're, we're, we, we want to take pride in our country. We want to take pride in our sports team, okay? We, we sort of build that in our culture. Um, and you even see this at the, uh, at the checkout. When you're at, at Dollar General and you, and you see... Um, and you see the magazine rack. You see Self magazine. When's the last time you saw a magazine called Others? You don't see it. It doesn't exist. Why? It's about me. It's about self. It's about my pride, what I want. And so if we are ever going to be unified, we need to recognize our pride. And you need to put people in your life who will call you out on it. My wife is a great person who calls out the pride in my life. And I love her for that. I don't like it sometimes when she doesn't, but I love that ultimately she does that. She'll call it out. Well, Frank, don't you think that's a little prideful? And I'll walk away and kick something and pray, and I know she's right. But we need to recognize our pride. We need to recognize our pride. That, and as a church, we're not going to be prideful in, in, in what we're doing. Man, look what Lake Point's doing. Man, look what we're doing. You know, now, we promote on, on social media to draw people you know, to whether some of our events or our sermon series. We put our sermons out there, you know, that sort of deal. But it's, it's not like, hey, look what, look what Lake Point Church is doing. Guess what? If anybody wants to do that, let the community do that. And they do. <laughs> People know about Lake Point Church and what we are doing in our community. So we, uh, we refuse to compete. We recognize our pride. Again, in verse, in verse 3. In humility, value others above yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I've said that before in another sermon. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Uh, criticism of other people sometimes helps us make, make us feel better, right? You know, when, 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 somebody, when somebody comes to us and, and they share a good news or good word, we sort of, in our mind or maybe out loud, we sort of push that down a little bit. Hey, I got a promotion. Yeah, got a promotion just because you're kissing up to the boss. You know, hey, hey, look at my nice-looking girlfriend. Oh, yeah, beauty's just only skin deep. I bet you she's awful on the inside. Or, or, uh, or what about this? Man, look at my new car. 
Yeah, look at all that debt. Man, I get to start quarterback for the football team. Yeah, because your dad's president of the Booster Club. You're laughing because it's true. You're laughing because you do it, right? We all do. It's human nature. It's human nature. But we, we can't, if we're really walking in humility, we shouldn't push those people down. We should truly celebrate with them. We should truly celebrate with them. We need to, we need to be a builder. We need to be a builder. Walk in humility and build others up. You know, when we have no unity, the church will not advance. When we have no unity, the church just will not advance. And, and, and so we, we want to learn how to build others up. If you have a problem with people in your life and you're maybe jealous of them for some of the things that, you know, they're happening in their life, here's a, here's a neat trick. Pray for them. And then when you pray for them, and they come to you and say, hey, look what's happening. It's like, man, that's awesome. I've been praying for you. Then you can say, that's happening because I'm praying for them. <laughs> no, but really, in reality, we want to build people up. We want to be a builder. That's the best way to walk in humility. You have a pride problem? Start building people up in their life. Uh, so we refuse to compete we recognize our pride. We, we become a builder. We build people up. Verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So the fourth thing is to help with unity is we think about others. We think about others. You know, it's just simply, it's just really simply being aware, becoming aware of what's happening around you. Becoming aware of the people in, uh, in your life. Uh, you know, if, if, if we are truly aware of, uh, of what people are, are going through, if we are truly aware of things that are happening in people's lives, then we can think about others. We can think about them. And, and I tell you, this right here is the biggest thing that's causing us not to be aware. I don't know how many interactions I've missed with people because I'm out and I have nobody to talk to except for my phone. It's like I'm talking to my phone. Nice phone. I love you, phone. God's like, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. In this culture, it's really hard. It's really difficult to connect with others and to be aware of others and to think about others because we're always just thinking about ourselves. So sometimes just intentionally putting these down. Some of you, for your 21-day fast, you decided to break away from social media. And I've heard stories that you've shared with me how you're becoming more aware of, of people in your life. It's like old-fashioned way to connect with people. <laughs> you know, you talk, and you meet with people, and you, and you visit. Just becoming aware of people. So think about others not just about yourself. So to, be, to, be, uh, to build unity, we, don't, uh, we, we refuse to compete. We recognize our pride. We become a builder of others. We think about others, okay? And then last, 
We adopt the attitude of Jesus. We adopt the attitude of Jesus. Found in verse 5, had the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Had the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In that same chapter of Philippians uh, 2, verse 6 through 8, it says this, and this is his mind, his mindset. This is Jesus, who, and this is Jesus not talking, this is Paul. So he's not talking about himself. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to, be, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is a mindset of Christ, where he did not consider equality. He made himself nothing. He did not boast. So think about this. This is amazing. Jesus was there at creation. Jesus was there at creation. As part of the Trinity, he created earth, heaven and earth. He's walking on earth now as a man, part God, part man, and he never boasts about his creation. He never once says, man, look at that sunset. Man, I remember when me and dad were thinking about the best way to provide beauty in this earth. Man, dad had an idea. We had an idea. It's like, yeah, let's, let's create this. Let's create all these different colors. And when the clouds come, it even will even bring rays down into heaven. Man, look at this, look at this mountain. Look at this view. Man, and there's things you guys have never even seen before. There's this thing called the Grand Canyon. You guys don't even, you guys don't even know about. There's things on this earth that, that I've created that you have never even seen. He never once boasted about that. I'm always talking about my kids. Always. Do I boast about my kids? Yes. I, I take pride in my children. Because they are wonderful kids, and they do great things. Now, they're knuckleheads sometimes. Yes, we have, to, we have to get onto them, ground them, whatever, just like any parent does. But I like talking about my kids because they're mine. Me and Suzanne have children, and we love them. We talk about them. Jesus never once talked about, boasted about, Something that was his, his creation. So, wow, we can learn a lot from that. Because if I created earth, if I, I was in that position, I'd be like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> so we never once. So we need to adopt the attitude of Christ. So in conclusion, here's the interesting thing about the passage in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 11 says this, therefore God exalted him. Now this is therefore because Jesus humbled himself. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and on every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So God exalted him. Why? Because he walked in humility and 
He wanted to be unified with his father. Wanted to be unified with his father and wanted to be unified ultimately with his church. When we humble ourselves, God will exalt. Not us. Not us. When we humble ourselves, when you humble yourself, allow God to exalt you. Allow God to bring you up. Don't bring yourself up. You know, Lake Point Church, we believe the elders and the staff here lately have been discussing, and even during this 21-day fast, there's been, there's been thoughts come up in our, in our hearts and our minds that we believe God is getting ready for Lake Point Church for her next move. We don't know what that looks like, but we believe that God is getting our church ready for something great, for to go to the next phase, to go to what we're supposed to do. And again, we, we don't know what that looks like. God does, but we just feel like there's a stirring in our hearts. And not just for what we believe God's sharing with us, but God is even speaking to other people outside of our church. So we believe God is getting us ready. So in the meantime, we are going to be unified, and it's so important that we stay humble as a church, and we walk in complete unity as a church. That prayer that was found in, in John chapter 17, do you know where Jesus was when he prayed that prayer of unity? When he said, when he said so that the world will know that I am the Messiah, I'm the Son of God, so that they will believe. What is there before the so that? Unity. They will walk in unity so that, you know where Jesus was when he prayed that prayer? He was sitting at the table with his disciples sharing his last meal. He was at the table, last supper, praying that prayer, sharing that last meal. And there's, I believe, there's no better way than to show unity within the body of Christ and unity within our Lord and Savior Jesus and God the Father than by observing communion. In that last supper, Jesus shared that he's going to be laying down his life. And so he used the bread as a symbol of his body His body will be broken. So he broke the bread and he shared it. So just like this bread is broken, my body will be broken. Then he he took the cup, the wine, and and he shared that my blood will be poured out. This is a symbol, my blood that will be poured out for you. That blood, that body, his sacrifice unites our church unites our church. We might do different methodologies of things, but let me tell you something. One thing that will never change, one thing we will always value, is Christ and him crucified. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 and 28, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, take and eat. 
This is my body. Then he took a cup, and we had given thanks. He gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It's a wide variety of different ways you can kind of observe communion. One of the ways we love doing this at, at Lake Point Church is we have two stations, one on your right, one on your left. And um, we, we encourage you to just make a line over to those tables. And uh, you just take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and partake of the, of the bread. And, um, and you, can, uh, you could just have a moment there at the table or partake it and then come back to your seat or go somewhere and pray. The altar is going to be open. The band is going to be uh, playing, and, it's, and we encourage you to sing a song called Nothing But the Blood. And so we encourage you to sing. But in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to stand, and we're going to observe communion. And if you have children, they're going to be coming in in just a moment. And if you have children who have accepted Christ as Savior and they, they know what this is about, we encourage you to do this as families. And, um, and partake of, of communion. Um, but more importantly, let's use this as a solemn time to be unified with Christ, to be unified with our Savior. And if you're sitting here today, you're like, Frank, I, I don't know what you're talking about with this blood thing, with this sacrifice, or I do know what you're talking about. I've been searching. I fully don't understand. I really need to be, you be united with Christ because I'm not united with Christ. Pray with me. I'm going to be down here. And I will be down here. You come. You pray. There's stations here. And let's join together in prayer. Let's all stand together if we could.